This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 5th, episode 2654, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. It's Monday. Monday is my favorite time of year. This is Horses in the Morning with your lovable hosts, Jamie Jennings. I am the queen. You listen to me. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Glenn the Geek. You look especially radiant today, your grace. I'm going to do a terrific show today because I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. Happy Monday. You know, Jamie, we've had over the years a lot of stories and a lot of guests on people who have ridden long distances, right? And right. Across the country and things like that. Well, there's this guy named Nikita Gretzky. Gretzky. Nikita is a great name, by the way. Uh, who's 21 years old, who has decided he's going to ride around the world. So he is starting in Russia and will ride across Eurasia, covering 15,000 kilometers and 11 time zones in eight countries. He's going to ride from the edge of Russia to London. And then he's going to, I assume he's not riding across the ocean, uh, but then he's going to do North America. <laughs> I was going to say, he's got some uh, maps to study. <laughs> then he's going to do North America, and he's going to end up back in Russia. So I don't, I don't know exactly... What got into him? He said he was looking for some adventure. He, by the way, he didn't know how to ride till two years ago. He actually went to Mongolia and lived there and trained with the nomads to learn to ride. So I guess if you're going to learn to ride, that's a way to do it. Um, and he went back to Siberia and lived with nomads there and did more training. Now, I don't know about you. Now, the guy's British, by the way. He's not Russian. He's British. Um, now, he does have ancestry as uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Estonian, and, and uh, Uzbekistan. So I guess he probably has some relatives in that area. I don't know. But I don't know. It's good. I don't, I don't think he's braver than me. I couldn't ride across Russia. I don't think that's something I, I, I First of all, I have many questions. Do you know what kind of horses he's well, going to be he's riding? he's starting out, I don't know if he's, the article didn't say if he was going to keep the same horses the whole time. I, my impression was he was not. But he's starting out in Russia on two native Siberian horses. Uh, their names are Durenki and Choroy. Uh, and one's going to be a pack horse and one's a riding horse, and I guess he's going to switch off. Uh, he was supposed to start in February, but because of COVID, he has to start May or June now. Uh, he expected to take to go across Eurasia, which is all of Russia, and then all of Europe is expected to take between 16 months and two years. Now, in Russia, he's going to be crossing Siberia, and so these horses are Siberian horses, so they're used to the extreme cold, which can get to minus 60 Celsius. 
Um, so yeah, extreme cold. And he's going to stay with natives on his trek across Siberia. This does not sound fun in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> really don't. I, don't, I, just, I don't have the bravery gene that this guy does. Do you? I was just thinking, uh, no. No. <laughs> no. What, the, I mean, I was just thinking like, okay, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, yeah. all, of, all of the things. Uh, everything. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just reading a quote from him in another one. He's like, yes, of course I feel fear. Live with your fear. Address your fear. So I'm like, okay. I'd rather uh, avoid a lot of that, to be honest. Uh, maybe the older you get, the less you really want a lot of that. His quote is, do what scares you in life. No, because I feel like <laughs> fear is like a natural instinct in your body telling you you're not going to be safe. Yeah, in exactly. Most cases. Like it's but, trying to keep you from dying. <laughs> Now, this article that I'm reading is he was supposed to start January of this year. Right. And he had to put it back because of uh, COVID, I guess. Like, I, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him on a pony and it it, he, it, it doesn't look fun. Like he's <laughs> literally in snow, a snowsuit, like Siberian winter gear on a pony. And it just, like I said, that doesn't look fun. But that being said... Dude, you go for it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll try and you're uh, a badass. We'll try and check in with them if we can. Uh, I know people who have contacts with them, so we'll try and try and get a hold of him before he leaves. I don't know if we're going to be able to or not, but uh, then maybe we can check in with him. I don't know how much self coverage they have in Siberia. It says he and his horses, a pair of geldings, were going to be all winter making short training rides to ensure everything performs properly, all equipment and everything. Um, and he's been in Siberia over the winter getting used to the temperatures. <laughs> That's something I don't really don't want to get used to. <laughs> I don't think you can get used to that. <laughs> minus 50, minus 60. Nope, I don't think I can get used to that. But you know what? That being said, you go, buddy. Live your dream. <laughs> Do your thing, Nikita. All right. Uh, today on the show, uh, Zarin Burnett's joining us. He's the host of Black Cowboys Podcast, which I listened to an episode of this morning is really good. He stops by to tell us about his new show. Sally Spickers joining us from Eventing Nation to give us a preview of Land Rover, this very unusual Land Rover three-day event. And some equestrian first world problems. I heard there's still problems in the world. So we're going to go over those as well. I have an interesting equestrian fact of the day that involves a vacuum cleaner. Yep. Horses and a vacuum cleaner coming up on today's show as well. But first... Is this something else that's going to irritate me and I'm going to pick apart? Meh. Probably. It's just a fact. It's just the way okay. it was in history. Okay. Now, it might involve a Black Beauty-type horse, so that might piss you off. But uh, okay. other than that, <laughs> it's fine. All good. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> we have three birthdays of our terrific auditors today. TJ Egg, Joanne Baum, and Allison Laura. Happy birthday to all of you. And thank you for having easy names to say. Also, raising their pledges was Kat Thompson and Betty Faye. Thank you to the two of you for raising your pledges and continuing to support the horse. I got to say network. something about Betty Faye. Yeah. So Betty Faye is a listener and Colorado, forever ago. Right? 
in Colorado and I bought Duke from her like 10 years ago. When we started this show, I was venting about not having a good husband horse and lesson horse. And she had the horse and I basically bought her, bought him off videos, which 10 years ago, that was crazy. And I shipped him down. And he's been like the greatest horse of all time. Right now. So what I did was I went to, um, I saw Craigslist ad looking for really bad ads of this paint horse. And I just remember when I went and go see him and Betty was like, I actually want that horse. I'm looking for a trail horse slash dressage horse. And he looks like exactly what I want. I was like, okay, it's like a 15, two hand paint horse. Right. So I get him here. He's like covered in ticks. You know, he's just like a disgusting mess. And he actually was quite grumpy. Like, and, and so I called him grumpy. I let her name him. I'm like, give me some choices of names. And Gus was on there and I was like, Gus it is. Okay. Grumpy Gus. So he became grumpy Gus because he just always had like that resting bee face, like just mare stare. Just, bleh, he just looked mad all the time. Although he wasn't, he just had that. And, um, she took him to a dressage clinic over the weekend and said that he is now turning into nice guy Gus and that he did really well at the dressage clinic Yay. and he looks great. I'm so excited. Like that's a happy story. Yay. Good. good. Grumpy Gus. Grumpy Gus turns oh, into good happy boy dressage Gus. Gus. Who would have thought? Good boy Gus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have a, a lot of horses here in training and, um, uh, to, to, and now Abby's gone for ho the holiday and, and all this. And, and I've been having to work all these horses by myself. Well, the owner of one of the horses that is in training came out over the weekend and her husband was with her and I worked their horse and showed them all the things, you know, she'd never had a saddle on. Now she's getting long lined and all the things. And, um, I had some other horses to work and the guy was, he likes planes. So he's talking to Chad. And so they were here for a couple hours in the barn while I was working and I received the nicest compliment that I have ever, I think, received. And he had no idea it was a compliment, but he said it to Chad and Chad made sure to tell me. But I, apparently as they were leaving, you know, I brought out the last racehorse and put him in the cross ties and I was grooming him house. And uh, he, he, he turned to Chad. He goes, I got to ask you a question, man. Is it all the horses here sedated? <laughs> 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 and I was like, Chad goes, Hey baby, thinks all the horses are sedated. I was like, Oh my God, that's like the nicest thing I've ever heard because it, it's true. And for like new they're, listeners, they're not. Uh, so no, <laughs> no, but like their horse came, the, the, the little buckskin I have in training came and was like basically feral. And, and, uh, and I rode her, I rode her in the round pen and I had the, the owner uh, of another horse there, the lady helping me. And I got on her and I rode her around a couple times around the round pin and I got off and she was like, that's it. That's all you ride him for. And I go, honey, this is the second time this horse has had a human on its back. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> she was so good. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm not going to drill her. <laughs> She's still getting used to humans on her back. And then I worked their horse too, which hopefully I'll ride tomorrow. Um, but they both came basically feral and now they're both really calm. So their, their horse was like, uh, can basically cantering circles in my double stall, my 12 by 24 stall. She'd never been in a stall. She's like running circles, but they have to stay in a stall when I'm working. I'm, I'm not going to run out, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she's in there. So I have this Tad coffin therapy tree 
by the way. And this mare has had one Sir Single Honor that I put on her the day before. And she's so upset. And this Tadkoff and Theratry thing that I have, just so you guys know, it is the most calming thing. So I put it on her. And uh, at great my at, at some peril in the <laughs> stall. And so I get it on her. I'm holding her head, like trying to get this girth on her and I get it on her clips on her. I leave 20 minutes later, they show up and their mare is asleep in the stall. And they're like, she really calmed down. I'm like, yeah. So it's sort of like a thunder shirt for a dog. It works it's the same like way. A, <laughs> I don't understand how it works, but it's like black magic. And it really like anybody that weaves or just paws or any, any stall behaviors. I put this on them and they totally calm down. So anyway, so that, that's, he's like, he thought all the horses at my barn were sedated. Couple, uh, four off the track thoroughbreds, two feral horses, and then all my, and two two year olds, and he's just like, mm. I think I it, that's you know, nice it has a lot to do with the atmosphere in the barn. It really does because we've all been in barns where all the horses are hyped up, but the people are hyped up too. And then we've mm-hmm. all been in barns like uh, Jennifer's used to be and yours, where it's just calm. Everybody's calm. Everybody's, you know, calm in the barn, and the atmosphere is just that way. And I really do think that has a lot to do with it. Horses synchronize their adrenaline. So if you're amped up, everybody knows that one person who walks in the barn and all the horses' heads go up, like, because it's one person like, hey, you know, and like too, too, too much energy. Like you're here. I'm going to need you down here. Like that. Um, so yeah, we do try to keep things really just Except calm. Except for the seven-year-old the- running around screaming at the top of his lungs. Oh naked. my God. No, it's great. He comes <laughs> out there and he doesn't scream, but he, like I was working one of the horses in the round pen and he climbed up to the top of the round pen while on the outside and the horse spooks. He's like, sorry. No, I was like, no, 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 stay there. <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> Use everything as a training opportunity, you know? So I'm like, just even the naked seven year old. Yeah, exactly. God, I got to show you pictures uh, from his Easter egg hunt this, yesterday morning. I said, hey. but why don't you get some clothes on? And he's like, I have shoes on. So he did an entire Easter egg hunt in the backyard with Chad was already gone. So I kind of rehid all the eggs, buck naked with shoes on. It was amazing. I thought they grew out of that at some point. <sighs> well, I certainly <laughs> hope he does, because then it starts to get like you need to involve the police. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to start calling police on you. Uh, so, Jennifer, uh, yesterday I was feeling kind of sick. I was limey yesterday, so I stayed home. But Jennifer wanted to bring Pickles. By the way, Pickles is our greyhound that w- actually is partly owned by about 100 different auditors who, who sent us actually money to buy Pickles when I was sick and everything. So Pickles, I feel like, is the horse of the – or is the dog of the Horse Radio Network. And she well, wanted you like to, it or not. Yeah. <laughs> she's less than two. She's not very old. Um Never She's raised. been a challenge. She's been a challenge, uh, and especially a veterinary challenge, because <laughs> she eats everything. She gets into trouble. So she thought, Pickles is very fast, though, and can fly in our fields. So she thought, do you know what lure coursing is? Have you ever seen it? What? Lure coursing. No. Okay, so picture this enormous, you know, 20-acre field. And they have this long string, I mean, miles-long string, that this 
like fake bunnies at the end of. And dogs like greyhounds and whippets and things, they have this thing called lure coursing where they set up this huge track with this with this uh, long string and the uh, they set off the uh, string with the bait at the end and the dogs chase it. Just like greyhound racing only in a great big field. And it's called lure coursing because they're chasing the lure. Now what's pulling the lure? Uh, is a big, is a winch that goes really fast. Okay, so the like rope on a is ranger, a like a yeah, it's hooked to a something. I, I, I've only seen it once or twice. But Jennifer thought, well, this dog's really fast, so I'll bring her out. And they were having things where you could try it out, where you could uh, test your dog. So she's watching all these other, you know, really fast dogs, whippets and greyhounds chasing the lure. And apparently Pickles is getting all hyped up. Her ears are straight up and she's getting all excited. She thought this was great fun. So it comes time for Pickles to do her thing and to chase the lure and to do her practice run. And apparently Jennifer said she could barely hold her. I mean, she was just chomping at the bit to go. And they had told Jennifer, okay, hold on tight because she's going to want to (laughs) go. And she did apparently. So she held on tight and then the lure took off and then Pickles took off after at about 90 miles an hour. And she said, everybody was commenting how fast this dog was. They were like, oh my God, that dog's fast. And this is a large field. Now picture, you know, 10 acres of field. And at the far end of the field, they hear, and then Pickles screaming. She, oh my God. She wiped out <laughs> at probably 35 miles an hour. She said, all of a sudden, she said, these people, you know, been doing this forever. She said, she sees the, the gator take off flying. She sees a guy on an electric bike take off flying. The dog screaming at the far end of the field. She couldn't even really see what happened. So she said, she takes off and goes down. Somebody picks her up and they go down and she had wiped out and they thought she broke her leg. Because she was just screaming and three-legged. She could not walk on it at all. So they put her in the back of the doggy ambulance uh, and took her back to the car. And Jennifer loads her in the car. And and I get the call uh, because I was expecting a call saying we're on our way home. And she had so much fun. And apparently she did have fun until she wiped out. Uh, And the call came and said, we're on our way to the emergency vet. And it's Easter Day. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So... Uh, Which in your brain is like that. All you hear is money. All I hear is a thousand (laughs) dollars plus a broken leg. And how do you deal with that with the greyhound, right? So um, your your mind always goes the worst thing in those situations. So you know, and I knew the other thing was it was going to be hours at the emergency vet because you know it's Easter. (laughs) They probably have two people working. So she gets there and she keeps me informed, and it was hours the emergency vet, Uh, but. Apparently, they don't think it was broken. They didn't even do x-rays. They said, we don't think it's broken. Keep her around for a week. Keep her, try and keep her calm as you can. Uh, gave her medicine and sent her home hours later after Jennifer sat in the parking lot for a long time because she's not allowed to go in anymore. Um, and I got to give them credit at the uh, University of Florida Emergency Vet. They are great there. And they're actually cheaper than our regular vet. We're going to start. We're, they have a regular veterinary for the University of Florida. It's in Gainesville, about an hour away. So we're going to start going there. It's so much cheaper and they're so much nicer. But um, it was $196, which I was shocked it was that low. But what? it was that low. And she said there were dogs there all day. She said dogs apparently get in a lot of mischief on Easter. So she... Uh, one lady apparently had hit her dog with the car. <laughs> so it's oh like, God. oh, my God. So that's what happened to Pickles. She she's just continues to be 
And Jennifer said it was so sad because she was so excited and loved doing it and was very fast at it. But I kind of wonder if she was too young. You know, she's just not in control of her body totally yet. Well, I mean, it's like a horse, okay? Like, I'm not going to take a horse that hasn't ever, like, opened up its stride to the track and let it run. Because, it. I mean, number one, it doesn't, it's not fit for it. But also, number two, like, it can't. It, it doesn't know how to control its body. Kind yeah, of they start it. working. She's been worked. I mean, she was in practice for the track before the tracks closed here. They start them at one, I think. Um, and, you know, so she's done that. And we've run her around here a lot. I think, she, you know, dogs do wipe out doing this like any other dog when they go really fast and make a turn. Uh, they wipe out, you know, barn dogs wipe out, too. It's just I guess she wiped out in the wrong way. <laughs> Plus, she's fast. That's the other thing. No, we didn't know how fast she was, apparently. So, so, so what was the the overall diagnosis? They did an ultrasound. They don't anything? know. They couldn't find anything other than maybe she pulled a muscle or you know she uh, t- you know tweaked a tendon or something. And this morning she's not swelled up in that leg. They didn't even wrap it. She's not swelled up. Uh, you know, she's putting a little bit of weight on it now, you know, hopping around. She's trying to figure out how to be a tripod. So she's kind of hopping around. Uh, but yeah, she, they didn't really, there was no firm diagnosis. <clears throat> um, so now it seems like you overpaid because you paid <laughs> $200 and you had no answers. <laughs> Yeah, we did get drugs. I mean, we got the pain pillar. Pain it's pill. ulcers, Glenn. Oh, it's all, Jennifer said it must be ulcers. Um, you know what she needs is some aloe vera juice <laughs> yeah. and turmeric. Yep. <laughs> so she, the nice thing about the pain pills is she is just zonked now. Uh, she's not trying to do too much and not asking to go out 50 times a day. But yeah, going to the bathroom for the first time was a trauma. Everything's a trauma when a greyhound's hurt. It's just over over-exaggerated with gray really? Yeah, it's like horse husbands. You know, when wow. we get hurt or sick, you know, it's the same way. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so there's this, the latest story of Pickles. She's, she's something else. She's always into something. Last week, it was choking. She apparently had eaten something and occasionally would go into these coughing like she was gagging fits. Uh, and then we thought, well, we'll see how it goes for a day or two. So the next day it seemed to be a little better. And then the, that what night it was worse. I said, well, we'll take her to the vet tomorrow and get her x-rayed. So he was stuck in there because she'll just eat freaking anything outside. And uh, so we next morning it's better. And then that afternoon she's coughing again. And now she's done that. It hasn't been a problem in two days. We almost brought her to the vet for that. It seemed to clear itself up. I said, give her saltines. That's what my mom always did when we were choking. (laughs) I don't know if that was my mom thing where they'd give you saltines and say, just eat these. Saltines for choking? Yes, because the dry would force it down. I that sounds counterintuitive. I didn't know it worked. Your mother was trying to kill you. <laughs> it worked. Anybody else's mom giving the saltines when you were choking? Let me no, know. are you kidding me? Like you can choke on saltines. They're so dry. Well, you washed it down, uh, but yeah, saltines were the thing to give. But she got oh, over that. I Thankfully, we didn't bring her to the vet for that one. But because uh, that would have been a thousand dollars worth of X-rays <laughs> and a surgery, probably. But yeah, she seemed to figure Your that mother out was trying to kill you. I'm so getting over the like salt. I'm going to Google that right now and be like, you people, saltines for choking. You look that up. We'll do the fact of the day in the meantime. <laughs> and now it's time for today's equestrian. Who knew? Fact of the day. 
So vacuum cleaners, we all think that they've been around forever, and they pretty much have been around forever. There was a British engineer by the name of Hubert Cecil Booth who decided to put a motorized a motor on this vacuum system that he had kind of invented, and he was the first one to kind of figure out if you get the air sucking in through a filter, it'll clean it and the motor will last longer and that's how he invented the vacuum. The problem was, Jamie, the first vacuum was enormous. It was huge. It had this huge motor. It had to be pulled by a horse. So it was a horse-drawn carriage, and it was large. The box that it came in was 10 foot by 5 foot. That's how big this vacuum was. But he, he invented it, and then he was like, well, what do I do with this thing? So he said, well, I'm going to take it out to houses and charge people. I'll get a really long hose. I'll charge people, and I'll go in and vacuum in their house. Because in that, at that day, the only thing to do the house was, was basically a broom. So that's what he did. He charged $4, which in that day was a lot of money. So it was only rich people that got their houses vacuumed. And it was horse-drawn carriage. It's what it was. It was a horse-drawn vacuum. And I have a picture of it in there to show you. Um, and I'll put the picture in the show notes, too. This is the actual picture of his, uh, of his vacuum cleaner that he brought out to the rich people's mansions. So he invented They rode this. the horse through. They, they drove the horse through the house? Nope, they didn't. They had a hose long enough that it would reach the house. So it's kind of like when the guys come out now and shampoo your carpets. You know, the shampooers in the truck and they bring the hose in. I don't know if you've ever had that done, but they bring the hose in the house. There's miles of hose. That's what they did. They they drove the horse up to the front door, but it became, because it was so unique and nobody had ever seen anything like that, it became a thing. And they used to have vacuum tea parties where these women would invite all their friends over to watch the vacuuming <laughs> because it was such a unique thing. Uh, so, and it was so expensive that basically the cost was the same as the annual wage of a domestic maid for a year. You could probably get new carpeting. <laughs> so locals would come out, apparently, when they'd go and do one in town or in the city, then they'd do a house. They would, they would come out and they would marvel at it. And he was smart enough that he put a glass chamber on the side of the machine. So all the neighbors would come out and watch the dust and stuff going into the machine. Uh, and apparently that was part of his marketing strategy is making a thing out of it. So people would come out and watch because it was so unique. During World for the First World War, um, the, an outbreak of spotted fever happened, and they weren't sure what was causing the spotted fever. So apparently, even Buckingham Palace had this guy out. He cleaned 26 tons of dust out of Buckingham Palace. That's how much dust had... had uh, where does one dump the dust outside of Buckingham Palace? That's full of spotted fever that they thought was full of spotted fever. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so there you go. It was a horse-drawn vacuum. There, now you know. Hoover wasn't invented then. That came later. But that's, it, they were, and I'll show you the picture. It was crazy. I did not know all this till I came across it in the history thing. Okay. In the effort to let you know how much your mother was trying to kill you. Okay. <clears throat> I have Googled saltines and choking. Or choking. Yeah, and? And uh, the first article is choking hazards. What foods you don't allow children to have. <laughs> Saltines was the first. Saltines is on that list. <laughs> Next article. Five kids, five foods that kids most often choke on. Saltines is on the list. Choking hazards from the CDC. Crackers. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then the last one is feeding your child. Potential choking hazards include... <laughs> Saltines is on the list. <laughs> All four of us made You're it. You're lucky to be alive. 
<laughs> All four of us made it. Well, you know what other hazards there are? There are hazards with horses' tummies. Tell us about what Kevin can do about that. All right. A fall infection offense can certainly throw a wrench in your day. Aside from a headache and a repair bill, it might also allow your horses out and other creatures in. A fence is not unlike the intestinal barrier in this way. It needs to be strong and functional to keep the good bugs in and the bad bugs out. But what happens when you have a down section of fence or loosened tight junctions in the gut lining? Holes or leaks in your horse's intestinal barrier, known as leaky gut syndrome, can <clears throat> excuse me, can result in various health and welfare problems. It's not a small problem. Gut issues are the number one cause of premature death in horses, but there is something you can do about it. Good nutrition and attention to gut health can help promote immunity, performance, healthy weight, nutrient absorption, and positive attitude. For optimal health, ensure your feed includes Clostat, Butaprol ZEQ, and Chemtrace Chromium from Chemin Equine. Learn more at Chemin.com slash leaky gut. That's K-E-M-I-N dot com slash leaky gut. Well, Jamie, our first guest today is somebody with a brand new podcast, and it is really, really good. This was recommended by one of our auditors, Scott Kreidler, said, you got to get a hold of this guy. He's doing this great podcast called Black Cowboys. And I have the trailer here for this podcast for you all to listen to, and then we're going to talk to the host. I'm Zaren Burnett, host of Black Cowboys, a new iHeart Originals podcast. When I was a young kid trying to make sense of the world, my pop made a decision. He didn't want slavery to be my only image of black men in American history. The stories that we had in our family were never stories of being victims, but they were stories of being successful, free people, trying to live their lives against whatever odds they were. They became cowboys. So my pop told me stories, true stories of free black cowboys. Stories about Nat Love, the toughest cowboy of them all. The lawman, Bass Reeves. The Outlaw, Cherokee Bill, and many others. And they were more than just great stories. They gave his young son hope. I can't wait to share these stories with you. Listen to Black Cowboys on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we have the host, Zarin's with us today. Hi, Zarin. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Jamie. Hey, morning. was your dad a cowboy? Uh, he was raised by cowboy. Uh, basically, he was raised by cowmen in the uh, in North Carolina, and then our family had people who moved out to Oklahoma and to Arkansas. So he was raised by uncles who were really good with cows and sorry, with horses, cows, and mules, and basically the livestock that you would tend. So. And did you did you get that gene, or were you brought up in the city? Uh, I was brought up in Northern California, so I used to go to like rodeos. I would go on trail rides. So I'm very familiar and comfortable in the saddle. Uh, I wish I got to spend more time around horses. When I moved down to LA, I used to go on a lot of trail rides because there's a lot of horse wranglers down there for the movies. So that was like a great uh, passion of mine down there. I've since moved to Oakland and there isn't as much opportunity for me to ride. So Yeah. And you are a journalist, right? Uh, for a bunch of Correct. different places. Correct. Uh, I've been a journalist for uh, Playboy, The Daily Dot, most recently Mel, which just uh, shuttered, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So what made you, I, I know your dad was the inspiration here. Did you approach iHeart? Did they approach you? Uh, was this a passion project of yours? Um, actually, a lot of credit goes to the journalist Taylor Lorenz. She uh, 
she was friends with uh, one of the people from iHeart, uh, Jason English, my executive producer, and he had asked her for some new voices because he was going to be starting the iHeart Originals podcast series, and he wanted to find some voices that he thought would be good at podcasting. She recommended that they check out Mel. He found a bunch of stuff I wrote and said, you really have a, a talent for bringing history to life. I would love to see what you could do with a podcast for us. And so then we went back and forth about some different ideas and then we settled on black cowboys being just the most exciting, uh, for everybody involved. I wanted to do it. Jason really loved it. And then it just blew up from there. So I know, you know, we, we know how much this is episode, what, 2600 and some for us. So we know a little bit about <laughs> show prep for podcasts. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. this one, you know, I listened to your latest episode, stagecoach, Mary, by the way, what a woman, <laughs> she's something else. Yes, right? Um, yeah. that was a good show, but it's, so well produced. Oh, okay. Do you do all the research on these? Because it's a history podcast, and it is very well produced. Well, <clears throat> what I have is a I have an initial dossier uh, from my fact checker Marissa Brown. She gives me an, an initial dossier. I do all of my research, reading a number of books, highlighting everything, and I come up with a script, and then. She then goes back and fact checks it to make sure that everything that I came up with and that everything I've included is in the proper context and is uh, factually accurate. And then, then we roll out and record. So it's kind of like a, a two-part process. See, that's what makes his show different than ours, Jamie. It's factually accurate. So that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what sets us apart. But you can tell, I mean, you were very honest in Stagecoach Mary that there wasn't a lot of th- things written about her, right? Uh, that you were going to mm-hmm. try and tell the story the best you could. And I, I like that. I like that it was honest up front about that. Yeah, I find that oftentimes, I mean, especially as a journalist, that people will... I don't want to say uh, inaccurately use the authority of the journalist or the author, or in this case, the podcast host, but I felt like I had to be very honest with the audience that there is a, there is a both her legend and her truth. And we can't really see her truth because of her legend, but we're going to do our best to do that. And I thought that that was important to let the audience know rather than presenting it like, here's this cool lady that you need to know about, which I find is uh, not just inaccurate, but it doesn't actually do a, a service to the subject. So I wanted to get into her complexity. I, I was reading some of the comments, too, on, on some of the different podcast apps. Now, you've just started. You're at, like, episode five or six. So it, it's just mm-hmm. gotten out there and, and developing some traction. But what what has surprised—I'll tell you my impression from the comments. I think okay. people are surprised that there were notable black cowboys. And we've had this discussion on this show uh, many times over the years. Um but I think that that's one thing that you're trying to dispel, and I think it's coming across in the comments as people are surprised at that. Yes, completely. It's one of the things that uh, so often what we imagine is what we have seen, and what we've seen has been due to TV and movies. So people think of history being accurately represented in movies and television, and that's just not the case. And so I wanted to give them something that was like an audio movie so that their imagination could allow them to see it and that they would then believe that this was the tales of the real West, that this is how it was, even though they've never been shown that. And hopefully over time, we'll get more and more of these movies and TV shows that help to correct the historic record. Well, I'm, this podcast is going to do that for sure. I now have subscribed because it, it is so well produced. Oh, you. you do a great job with it. Um, what has surprised you in the stories you're putting together so far? Now, we, we know it surprised listeners, but what surprised you? Um, well, uh, a bunch of interesting things have uh, surprised me in terms of not just race relations, but the insepar- like how inseparable the indigenous storylines and the, and the black storylines are is that 
I, it's very almost impossible for me to tell a story of a black cowboy that does not involve very intimately indigenous communities and interactions and, and relationships. So it became something that I realized I was telling two stories at once, that they were parallel stories. And it's just a matter of when they intersected that I uh, crossed over the two parallel lines, which, you know, isn't the perfect metaphor since parallel lines don't cross, but you get the point, which is basically I was operating on two tracks at the same time and kind of jumping the audience's attention back and forth because it just it is an impossibility to tell the story of black America without talking about uh, our indigenous family and our indigenous uh, community. So and you have an additional, that surprised me. yeah, you have an additional challenge here too, in that uh, because you are talking about the, you know, the history of black people in American history, there's less written. So it's a yeah, little tougher completely. to research, right? Completely. I have, I've had to rely a lot on uh, contemporaneous accounts from the newspapers. So I've been going uh, around in newspapers.com a lot, uh, trying to find uh, basically commentary that it, that records at least maybe not their voice, but their actions. So I can go through and, and try to interpret through the reports of their actions if I don't necessarily get their voice in the case of Stagecoach Mary or in the case of Cherokee Bill, where you do get his voice but his voice is always in defiance of what is going on in terms of the criminal justice that's coming after him. So there's this issue of how do you let these people speak for themselves, but then also provide context. Sometimes I have to provide more context than actual quotes in Stagecoach Mary's case, or sometimes in, say, Cherokee Bill's case, you're going to be able to get the quotes, but then the context becomes really important uh, so that people understand what he's saying, that you know he came here to, uh, make, basically when he's on the gallows, he says that, he came not to talk, but to die. And that sounds like a really badass line. But then when you realize that he's saying this because of his personal history, and he's a very young man, so he doesn't really understand what he's about to do in a sense. So it becomes much more poignant when you have the context. Well, spoiler alert, he uh, sees the gallows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, this is great. You know, I was listening to you talk about the movies and how, uh, you know, black people aren't represented. And it made me remember the movie Silverado, which was like ahead of its mm -hmm. time. It was like true storytelling then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. You have yeah, the Danny Glover character and the, and the black family that he represents. They very much uh, were a, an, a true indicator of the West, basically. This was a, an example where hit Hollywood got it correct. And I was, I was young enough that when I watched Silverado, that, that stuck with me. And I was very happy to see the Danny Glover character be represented because it lined up with all the stories my father had told me. It was one of the first times that Hollywood had done that. So Yeah, that's really, really cool. Now, I also was looking on uh, about you, and I did see an article you wrote about um, mm -hmm. when your sister becomes a mother, which I read through and really liked because I'm the only mother in my my family. I have two brothers. Uh, so that was nice. But then you've also written a, a couple books that I found, too, mm -hmm. uh, and the titles are awesome. Glenn, are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see okay. this, so... Here's the title of the first one. How to be a fearless badass. <laughs> <laughs> the second title is how do I survive this? <clears throat> and then that word. Mm -hmm. And then not uh, love sex and other things you might find at the airport. So I <laughs> talk, talk to me about these. I want to read that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, these were, I, I was uh, working at Thought Catalog at the time, and I was doing a lot of personal essays uh, from my experience. And then a lot of the readers really liked uh, how I would add in things of, not just advice, but kind of like big brotherly advice. It was a little bit more intimate than just like, uh, you should do this, you should do that. It was more like, 
this will help you for this reason, and this will probably lead to what you want in life, and this will give you a way to respect your actions and so forth. And people really responded, so I started doing more and more of those. And then the editors at Thought Catalog, you ever thought about doing a book with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I did a book. The first one did well, which was the one about love, sex, and everything, or other things you could find at the airport. And then I had also been telling a lot of stories from, like, I once uh, rented a sailboat and crashed it into a super tanker. And so when you tell people that story, they're like, wait, what? And then I did another one where, like, I had to be rescued off a mountain by the fire uh, by the fire and rescue. And they were like, wait, what? I had, like, a number of these stories I was telling editors. And so I just basically wrote up all of those. And that's uh, how to survive this. And then also there's the, the companion, which is how to be a fearless badass, which is kind of about like ways for young people to be authentic to themselves while also being fearless in a way that is not like old school, but I wanted to have some of that sense of sand and grit that, that the, my elders would talk about, but then putting that in a new context of how do, how do you have sand and grit, but then also stay soft. And so that was the, the question that I kind of focused on. And that's what that book, that, excuse me, that's what that book is about. Well, I would like to know exactly what you find at the airport with love and sex, considering my husband is an airline pilot and I have questions. <laughs> and tell so him where you the met airport your husband. Represents, <laughs> yes, exactly. It represents a place where we all go. You know, it's a place where you have an intersection with humanity. So in a sense, you could meet your partner at an airport because it may be the best opportunity for you to come across somebody who you wouldn't normally meet in your walk of life. But here in the airport, you do. So it's kind of about... The general theme of the book is to stay open to the great weirdness of life. Well, tell her, tell him where you met your <laughs> husband. Uh, he yeah. was not an airline pilot, but I met him because I sat next to him on an airplane. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And they were both so, going to see the their girlfriend, boyfriend. Keep Wait, that what mind. was your question? <laughs> Do you remember the first thing that either one of you asked the other? Yes. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, oh, now you got to say it. What was it? <laughs> So he leans over and I'm reading a magazine and I'm just like totally not, I'm just like kind of focused on what I'm doing. I'm reading a magazine and he leans over and he goes, are you in the air force? And I was like, what? No. I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for some line of like, cause you just flew away with my heart or something <laughs> stupid, you know? And he's I'm like, no. And he goes, oh, you have the air force logo on your hat. And I was like, I do like it was a designer cap. It was really cute. I didn't know that was the Air Force logo. And that is where you said, like, be open to it, because like he's he's actually in the Air Force. I'm just mm -hmm. some chick that lives in Atlanta and he's in the Air Force in Arizona. And and yeah, it was just like, be open to the weirdness of life, because that is what happened. That is the first thing he said to me. And I just thought he was like super weird. And then I realized he was really hot. And so I <laughs> started talking to him. I love this. <laughs> I love this story. What a great way for you guys to meet. Yeah. We talked about on that flight. We're like, by the end of the flight, we're like, this is going to be a funny story to tell our grandkids. And now we have a kid and we're married. And <laughs> Whatever. I'm open what to the weirdness. I love that. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, it's been awesome having you on. Where can people find all these books? Um, the books are on, uh, you can find them on Amazon. You can find them at all the, the normal online booksellers. Um, I believe. Uh, yeah, all the online booksellers. Uh, and one last thing I would like to say is a lot of the credit for this show also I think should be given to my producer, Ryan Murdoch, who constantly uh, pushes really hard to make sure that this show sounds so great. So I may do a lot of the research and come up with the storytelling, but a lot of the sound and the production. Oh, it sounds good. He does a great job. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> He does good. an amazing job. We've yeah. produced a few episodes. We know about that. It sounds good. Yes, right? Yes, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great, Darren. Thank you so much and good luck with the show. 
Thank you. And I'll be uh, definitely checking out your guys' podcast. So thank you for having me on. All right. Thank no, you. don't check ours out. Please. Yeah, don't. there's nothing factual past. here. Uh, <laughs> Move do, on. We don't do any research. So don't, don't count on any of the journalist stuff. We don't go for yeah. that here. No, yeah. you guys are fun. This is great. I can't wait to hear more. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> thank you. Take care. Bye. What a cool guy, huh? Oh, my gosh. He's way too smart to be on our show. Yeah. <laughs> And yet here he was. Eloquent and everything. Yeah, educated. I know. Smart, all educated. The yeah, yeah. He'll regret it. All right. Uh, it, th- he won't put this on his credit, so let's put it that way. No. No. <laughs> How about some? Oh, so we're going to follow that up with a question for I, real problems. Oh, my God. This is embarrassing. <laughs> so, He's going to listen back to this and be like, what are they talking about? All sometimes, right. Fine. Sometimes it, the things we put back to back just don't make any freaking sense. They don't go together. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. Right, exactly. Now, these are problems submitted by our listeners. On Sunday, I put a post in the Facebook page in the auditor's room uh, on Facebook that says, please, you know, share with us what's happening in your life. That's like super sad. And um, these are things that they have said. And um, they are... You know, it's tragedy. It's just awful. So, Glenn, how can people become an auditor to learn how to submit these first world problems? Just go to horseradionetwork.com. Scroll down the right-hand side of the page. You'll see an auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you two can join the party, be part of the auditor room, help support the hosts and the network. And also, you know, we do prizes for auditors. We do all kinds of special programming for auditors. And they get to submit their first world problems. All right. Well, the first one comes from Rebecca. Rebecca and Holly are back to back. And and there's a similar theme to both of these poor souls. Rebecca says, I have tomorrow off, but it's also my husband's birthday, which means I won't get to play with my horses for as long as I want to. And then Holly says, families want to do Easter stuff. Why? I just want to play with my horses, stupid holidays. (laughs) So we got family and husbands and just basically families are messing everything up for time. You know, there is a solution for all you horsewomen. You know what it is, right? Oh, Lord, what? Don't get married. (laughs) That's a theme for a lot of us. Um, (laughs) Laura says, I am so excited to have three horses and for training and I have two rescue horses. But like... How am I going to find time to ride my horses? Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, your problem, I'm, too. <laughs> that's my problem right now. Um, this I think one that's seems, every horse trainer's problem, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I'm like, well, Parker, you're super pretty out in the field doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> Kayla says, my husband and I got a new car, and it's, like, super fun to drive, and it's a hybrid, and so it gets 60 miles per gallon. But he won't let me drive to the barn because he doesn't want me to get it dirty. <laughs> Did you uh, yeah. see the new, was it Ford or GM? I can't remember which one it was now. The new electric truck that's coming out, they just announced. No. Um, it's going to, see the problem with these electric trucks, it's, just, it's still only getting 300 miles. You I was going to say, like, I mean, a truck, especially pulling the trailer, you go 12 pull, miles. It's supposed to be able to, that shouldn't matter. See, that is a difference because torque is torque for an electric motor. So it's supposed to be able to pull 16,000 pounds. <laughs> It's crazy that way. And zero to 60 in three seconds in a truck. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Well, y'all let me know how it works out for you. <laughs> um, Kimberly says, I Venmoed my farrier. And after that, I started thinking I spend way more money for shoes on my horse every six weeks than I spend on shoes for me in six months. Not like COVID six years. months, but like full on <laughs> vacation holiday going out in the public six months. <laughs> I bought two I, pair of sneakers the other day for $20 each, and Jennifer bought two shoes for $200 for her horse. Oh, <laughs> two shoes for her horse. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> that would be called a pair. Yes, two shoes, $200. Robin says that too many online tag shops are having great sales, but I can't find everything I need at one store, so I have to pay shipping at multiple stores. <laughs> Like Danny, has a problem, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Danny says, my baby horse is like too good. She loads on the trailer with no issues, stands tied to the trailer, leads well, and plays well with others. What else do I do with her? That's just me. I'm having, I'm, I'm, ha I'm coming up with some creative stuff for my babies. Jessica says, I got a new lease horse, but he has a biting problem. Ask me how I figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm it's, guessing the black and blue marks are an indication. I guess he's a paint horse because she also put in the hashtag patchy twat. <laughs> uh, Diane had, she said, I had the whole week off from work after cataract surgery, but with restrictions or no lifting and no bending and no dust, I can't do anything with the horses. <laughs> yeah, no dust kind of wipes that out. Yeah, that wipes out. <laughs> I can't stay in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a guy with a horse-drawn vacuum that could come over. Oh, my God. Send him over. He can get 26 tons of dust out of my house. Uh, Ina says, I am half leaf... Uh, I am half leasing a horse and they got another leaser. Oh, God, this sucks. Because I deal with this on the daily. So here we go. I am half leasing a horse and they got another leaser who's like six inches taller than me. And now I have to adjust the stirrups every time I ride. You know, I don't hear about that too often. I'd hear about people leasing their own horse and then they ride it. But I, I, I don't know. I've ever heard about leasing the horse to two different people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I share horses, you know, my one starter saddle, Abby rides one and, and I ride one and I'm five, two and she's five ten. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I feel you. Ina. Tara says, <laughs> this is funny. I drove 11 hours one way on Friday to go fox hunting this weekend. It was super fun, but now I have to drive 11 hours back to go home. Yeah. That one kind of sucks when you're going to shows. <laughs> That's uh, great. I hope the hunt was That's a long awesome. way to drive to go fox hunting. Uh, it's Texas. It's like, that's like, they consider that down the street. Uh, oh, Carrie okay. says, I clipped my horse since he was so hairy, but like now I don't get to use the shedding blade on him to get all this like really satisfying clumps of hair off. <laughs> Scooter's <sighs> in that mode right now where I'm brushing him and huge clumps of hair are coming off. Oh my God. It's, it's not that fun. You're not missing that much, Carrie. Yeah, no. Please shedding blade your dog. Anyway, that is your first world equestrian first world problems. Thank you for all submitting them. We appreciate it. Um, I did have a training question, Glenn, if we yeah. wanted to get to that. Sure. Um, otherwise we can, we can move on. Um, or are you, why don't we save the training? Was that an auditor training question? Do you want to no, do it I was posted post on my Facebook page oh, okay. and then they asked me to talk about it on horses. In yeah, the morning, we have about so. eight minutes. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, I was telling about one of these horses that came in for training and, and she was basically feral. I couldn't even catch her. Like we had to like 
have her chase buckets of grain for me to even get her from one pasture to the arena, then to my smaller paddock and then into the stall where I was finally able to catch her. And, um, you can put a halter on, you know, by the way, you horse just husbands love horses like that. We just think those horses are special. Super fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chad's like, she's crazy. I'm like, I know but she won't be for long. It's fine. Uh, so you, you couldn't, but you couldn't touch her ears. And that was one of the things. So when people bring horses, I'm like, okay, lay it out. What do you, what, what does she do? And what do you want me to fix? So the horse, you couldn't touch her ears. And so I posted this video of me rubbing all over her ears back and forth an explanation that this was really hard for her. And so uh, a couple of listeners have asked how I did that. And, you know, I wish that I had some like, I, I don't know. I guess I do have a magic trick to it. Um, I did join up. That is post second join up. I did the first and she was still, uh, I don't know. This was the second join up by the second join up. She came up to me and I was able to do all of that. Join up makes the horses want to be with you and then they trust you. So if you get a good, pure, honest to God, solid join up, that was a, that was that was what worked for her. Now it hasn't worked for other horses, you know? So every horse is going to be a little bit different in what their experience is, especially if they've had past trauma to their ears. But you know, the thing is like, sometimes what I'll do is I'll rub their, you know, once you get to rub their face and you go away right in between the eyes, why is rubbing right between the eyes and then going away important? It's because it's the one place they can't see, you know, obviously behind them, but right in front of them, they can't see. So when you rub that part of their forehead and you go away, remember a predator never retreats. Repeat after me. A predator never retreats. A so predator never you, retreats. Thank you, Glenn, okay. for paying attention. Okay. Uh, so when you go in and you go away, you're, every time you do that, you are building trust. So give him a rub on the forehead. And then I'll just like quickly whoosh, pass my hands over the top of their head. You should see what I did with my hand. It was really cool. Uh, <laughs> you just rub there and then up and over real quick. And then slower each time and then slower and, and try that and see if that works. Um, one that was so bad about the ears, I took a rope, um, just one of my little cotton lead lines from Monty, the long lines. And I just slowly like passed it over the head. I had one, the line, on the right and the left. And I just kind of like slowly ran that over the head just to get the horse used to something touching. Um, and then I went to, to hands after that. So building up, but really to be honest with this horse, y'all were asking me and I don't know if you tried it or not, but I did a, it was a second join up. And this little filly is like, I love you. You can touch me wherever you want. I don't care. Now the other one that's come in has done two join ups, but she's still super touchy about her back legs. That's a little different story. Um, but the ears, that's what worked. Huh. So, and there are, we have met some horses that have been, you know, fully trained and, and they still just don't like their ears. Do you think that's just something that happened in the past? Well, I mean, barring any medical issues, something yeah, in there, that that's, yeah. let's take that out of it. So I've explained this before. And, uh, so you think of, um, horses brain, okay. is a filing cabinet and they're like, ear touching. This is the ear touching file. Okay. And then they open the filing cabinet and there's all these bad experiences right in the front. Like that is what they remember. And so that's what comes out of the file when you go to touch your ears. So what you have to do is you have to slowly reshape, push those bad pictures to the back by giving them a whole bunch of new good experiences. 
So by slowly touching the ears and moving around and like the, uh, passing the hand over real quick and, oh, I accidentally touch your ear and you didn't, but it happened so fast. It didn't die, you know, and you slowly build that up. Every time you do that and you build trust with them, you're pushing those bad pictures to the back and you're leaving the good pictures in the front. So while those pictures are still in that file, they're in the back. So you should slowly be able to work it. I, I mean, to be honest, I've probably had of the set. 70 horse and hound horses, at least 30 of them, maybe more were head shy and ear shy. And it just, it just, if you're just slow and calm and have your adrenaline low and when you go to touch it, it just, it's just part of the day, you know, it's just part mm -hmm. of the thing. Um, just be, be calm and, and using the join up and approach and retreat and going out and going in and going away and going in and going away. And that's a big thing too, is like when you want to touch your ears and you finally get it, walk away. And then next time you might be able to do more. A member, a predator never retreats. But what people want to do when they want to touch the ear, so like, I'm going to touch your ear, I'm going to touch your ear, I'm going to touch your ear, I'm going to touch your ear. So there's like tension in their arm and there's tension in their breathing. And then they're like, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And they get their hand up on the ear and the horse is flinging around. They're like, I'm going to leave it here, I'm going to leave it here, I'm going to leave it here. You know, don't do that. Just touch it and walk away. No, when I say walk away, it could be for 10 seconds, five seconds, but then just go back. Every time you retreat, you are building trust. Hopefully that helps. That helps. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get uh, Sally's joining us today from Eventing Nation. Going to give us a little update on eventing and what's going on there. Plus, we have a big event coming up in a couple of weeks that nobody will be watching except on TV. Except for Sally. <laughs> She'll be there. I wonder, we'll have to ask her what she, what she thinks about being there by herself. That's going to be kind of surreal. Uh, <laughs> Ghost down. Yep. All right. Let's give Sally a call. Well, we are going to have dear friend Sally Spickard on right now. She is the current managing editor over at Eventing Nation. That's a big deal. Big so cheese. Sally, <laughs> big cheese, what's happening in the eventing world right now? Oh, my God. Well, Kentucky's actually happening. I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm still pinching myself. I don't know. I think I'll believe it when I'm there at the horse park with three other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's going to seem so bizarre to yeah. be there. I mean, you're going to have the best seat in the house at the water jump. Like, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like, you know, I remember you got to get up at like four in the morning to get to the head of the lake and not sit underneath somebody. So it, that's going to be weird to not have that massive crowd around that jump. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of sad about it. Honestly, I just, it, I'm glad it's happening, but it makes me sad to think how different it's going to be. But I guess we should be grateful that it's happening, period. I bet you won't miss the uh, media room being packed with people. I tell you. You know what, though? I will say the media room is always full of my friends. And I, I look forward to seeing them every year. And I know for a fact that at least a few of them won't be there because they're still limiting the media center and international travel is hard and all that. So I think it's... I think she's it's saying gonna she's going to miss us. I think that's what I, she's saying, Jamie. She's going to yes, miss us. Exactly. That's what yeah, it was, it was us. Yeah, it uh -huh. was. <laughs> yeah. We were the ones. I didn't want to name names. <laughs> I do want to say though, you, you you have to help these riders out because there's so many people that have been to Land Rover and Rolex and done a five star before, and that feeling that they get at the head of the lake when they jump in jump all the obstacles and then make their way out. Usually the roar of the crowd is deafening. So you have yeah. a task, Sally, you got to get I... your, like, 
You got to figure out a way to make some noise. I should get like a a megaphone, I guess, or, Yay, or like a stereo system. And, yeah, like, yeah, something. And, but then, uh, but then, see, that's gonna sound so weird that the horse is gonna spook, and that's, I'm gonna that's make. That's what I was like, just gonna say. One Boyd person, Martin the horse will spook. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to be that person. Did you see the girl? The, the poor girl. She's probably listening to this, knowing my life. There's some girl that like fell into the water, the head of the lake, jump a couple of years ago, like on the live stream. It was a fan. It was a fan. Oh, oh my God. What? I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know. She's like I said, she's probably listening to this and she's like, this poor woman she's, is making me realize like, my most humiliating me. moment. But, <laughs> Let me put, yeah, no, there. but that would be me. Like in some capacity trying to make noise, I would just fall into if, the water. If that lady, if you are the one that fell in the water jumping, you're listening. <laughs> I would like for you to email me at Jamie at horseman. <laughs> I need to have you on the show to talk about your experience and yes. to let Sally know the temperature of the water. Cause she's going. in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be strange. It's going to be strange, but you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great to have it happening period after all of the, the crazy fundraising and the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And it's now our only spring five-star besides Lumulin so, in Germany. So, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. So, so who are we looking at? Who are we watching yeah, for this Who's going to win? So here's the deal is I think everybody was really excited that we were going to have our first American winner in, I don't know, 2008 was the last time I believe Philip Dutton won. And so, you know, because there were no international entries, COVID was still happening and there was maybe going to be a USA winner by default. I'm not really sure that's going to happen anymore. Uh, we got a huge plane full of foreign entries that dropped in their entries. So we've got Oliver really? Townend, who's won. Um, yes. So he's he's bringing back his his two-time winner, uh, Cooley, um, Cooley Masterclass. So he's going to be probably a force to reckon with. He's also bringing his um, other five-star winner, Balamore class with him. Um, we've also got uh, William Fox Pitt making his return. He won a few times in Kentucky. We've got the Price family, Tim and Jonelle Cummings from New Zealand. Um, so we've got a whole Couldn't England have stayed non- closed for one more month? For our or benefit. they could have just, you know, <laughs> run badminton and they could have just gone there. I don't know. But <laughs> But that's not to take away from the the U.S. entries that we've got. I mean, we've got a really we've basically got the whole Tokyo team on, you know, of who we might predict might be on the Tokyo team before we're to be named today. Uh, we've got Philip Dutton and Z. We've got Boyd Martin and Setzerleg who won a gold medal at the Pan American Games. Uh, I think Tammy Smith and Mybom could win Kentucky on their best day. I think Doug Payne and Van Diver could win on their best day. So I just think there's a lot of pairs U.S. based that you can't count out either. Uh, but it is going to be a really crazy combination of um, international entries and strong uh, U.S. entries as well and some Canadians, too. So it's going to be really exciting. I mean, I hope everybody's planning to tune in to the live stream on USCF Network. Oh, my gosh. I love So when I rode out in California, that was or in Arizona, but California, I would see Tammy and my bomb. Um, oh, my God. He is just the most amazing, impressive horse. Yeah. So he's, he's going to so be there. Presence. Yes. And, you know, believe it or not, this is actually my bomb's five star debut. Um, he was qualified to go back in like 2017, yeah, 2018. And then he had a couple injuries and, um, you know, such as life. And 
uh, Tammy has really just kept on with him and she just uh, finished third at the fork in her final prep at the four star short at try on this past weekend. So um, she actually finished behind uh, Doug and Van Diver one and Boyd and such are like we're second. So, you know, that's, you're looking at a really strong U S contingent. Um, you've also got Marilyn little and RF scandalous that could easily have a good day too. Um, so, you know, you've got some really big heavy hitters on the U S side too. And, and Tammy is definitely one of them. So is this like the big qualifier for the Olympics? Is it the only qualifier for the Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny because it's the Olympic qualifications were pushed because the, the Olympics were pushed. And so now there's people that were already qualified that won't have to do anything. And and to be honest with you, I, the FEI, I don't even, there's, there's so many things that have been shifted that I think it's um, just about anybody's guess as to what the actual selection trials are. But yes, this will be one of the final uh, selection trials for the Tokyo Olympics, which are really actually rapidly approaching. I can't hardly believe that those are going to happen, hopefully, this year also. Yeah, because that's supposed to be the what the end of July, August is when the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the equestrian stuff will happen, um, or at least the eventing portion, I think, happens like the last week of July, I believe. Interesting, too, because oh. the Europeans have been put on hold just because of the uh, EHV1 mm-hmm. thing, you know, so sure. they got put on hold for six weeks. And this whole thing is just between COVID and that. Some, of these, some of these riders just have to be, you know, pulling their hair out. <laughs> it's like, it is. And, and it's it's interesting, too. So it, British eventing this year started doing these elite events that were only for uh, I believe it's riders that are qualified to represent their country. So they would do these, these, these quick events. Um, and it would be like the, the Olympics you'd have, you know, Oliver Townen and Piggy March and all of these big, huge names, uh, competing in just like an open, open intermediate, but those were the only British eventing events happening this spring. So these British riders that are coming over, they've only got a couple horse trial national runs under their belt. Uh, coming into Kentucky. So it's it's been a weird prep season. And then, you know, we don't have any Germans. We don't have a Michael Young or an Ingrid Klimke this year because uh, the whole European mainland has been on lockdown. They haven't really been competing. So I would guess they'll head to Germany in, in June for the Lemulin five-star maybe. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. And there's an Olympics coming up. So there's lots of at-home training happening still. What's the word on, we talked about it last week or the week before, Fairhill, the new Fairhill event that's going to happen, what, in October, I think, or November. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what's the word on that? Are they going to be a for sure go this year? Yeah, they, um, so I actually just spoke with them a few weeks ago. Um, you can find the article on Eventing Nation uh, about the Maryland Five Star kind of kicking on. Um, so their event is uh, slated to happen in October, it's going to happen, I believe, the 14th through the 17th of October. Um, they're super excited. They are all systems go. Um, the only thing I think that they're just delaying right now is ticket sales because obviously we don't know what the USEF is going to decide regarding spectators, uh, despite the fact that there are a lot of states that are starting to allow at least you know, 20, 30, 40% spectator capacity at sporting events. Um, USEF is still saying no, at least through June, which I think is smart for sure. Uh, so, you Just know, we will kind Florida, of. Florida, there's no rules. Yeah. I know. There, COVID doesn't exist. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that or so, Texas. Yeah, I, I, do, I do think, or Montana, I think was another one. Um, but, you know, I, I, so they are full systems go. Um, they have really great all star team in place. I'm really excited about this event. And it's, 
it's cool. They're trying to really get the word out because I think a lot of people still don't really know that there will be another, an eighth five-star or a seventh five-star added to the worldwide roster. So that's a really big deal. Uh, there's not very many of these events in the world, and this will only be the second one in the U.S., uh, which is very lucky for us. So uh, we're really excited about that event. They've got a really big team in place uh, with experience managing these large events from other sports and other industries. So I think it's going to be a really big deal. The other thing that's really exciting about Maryland is they're going to also be running um, the USCF National Three Star Long Championship in conjunction with the uh, with the Five Star. And then they're also going to be running the Young Event Horse Championship. So you're really going to get to see the sport at every level, which I think is a really cool thing that they're trying to do. Very cool. And I hope they've improved the hotel since we used to go there when Jennifer competed because oh, they sucked. I just booked at the La Quinta. <laughs> have you stayed at the La Quinta? No, in they didn't have That's one back I then. Booked. They had roach okay. motels. That's all they had there back then. There you go. <laughs> well, there's a La Quinta. I went ahead and booked it because I didn't know how full it was going to get. So I'm all set. But if you guys are looking for accommodations, that's that's where I went. With, that's the so. one hotel. I feel that... like La Quinta is usually <laughs> yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. 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 Book now. <laughs> <laughs> or sleep uh, in your car you'd be better off yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> is where you can find sally and all the stories about eventing thank you sally for joining us again we always appreciate it thanks sally yeah, thanks, thanks for, for taking over me. my interview glenn yeah. i don't get to talk to her all that often you like <laughs> went for it sorry I'll here, like, you weren't Hello. talking you weren't talking i jump in you don't talk i jump in that's uh-huh. what happens <laughs> thanks sally thanks sally thank you love you mean bye. it bye <laughs> Bye. So you're going to go in October to Maryland? Man, I'm booking my tickets right now. To La Quinta? The one hotel that's within <laughs> 80 miles. La Quinta of- <laughs> You notice how she laughed when I brought that up. <laughs> you know what I really want to do is I, I really love camping, so <clears throat> I'm just going to take a tent and like, just go. go Sleep in it. your car. I told you, sleep in the car. You'd be better off. <laughs> oh, we had roaches in hotels there. We had beds that were not changed from the previous people. It was no. bad. It was bad. It was really bad. Like bad. <laughs> like really bad. All right. Uh, I have something to do in the post show that I found that I want to go over with you. One of them made me laugh out loud. And I think all the women in the audience are going to really appreciate it. Um, but uh, we'll do that in the post show. So hang on, auditors. Uh, tomorrow is the Mustang episode. So uh, the Mustang Foundation will be here tomorrow for that. And then uh, we have Mary Kitzmiller coming up later in the week. And Jamie will be here. It's a full week of shows. So it's a star studded week. That's here on right. Horses in the Morning. That's right. And a good show today. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin Equine, for sponsoring, as always. See you in the post show. Spay, neuter, and geld. Mm-hmm.